Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chilly outside right now, 49 degrees, going up to 62 today. Then let's let's look ahead to the Christmas weekend. Highs tomorrow, 56, plenty of clouds around 67 on Saturday as it warms. Sunday evening, Christmas Eve, when people are driving around, and I honestly can't remember last time it was really stormy, rainy on a Christmas Eve. Can you feagle in there in the studio? Can you remember when it was? I honestly can't. I remember it being cold, but not, not really rainy like that. Anyway... There's a chance for maybe up to four inches of rain. Let's hope not. Highs of 66 Sunday. Then Christmas Day, highs are going to be near 70. And then after that, it cools into New Year's Eve. But next weekend, the following weekend uh, on Saturday, New Year's Eve, they're saying the highs will be 70 then as well. So maybe it's warming up early. Uh, what about Social Security? Mark Goldwine joins us now, Senior Vice President and Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Good morning. Um, the the year is changing. That really doesn't uh, mark anything for Social Security because people age into it as their birthdays happen. Uh, we were talking earlier about uh, different ages to claim Social Security. I know that's a, a micro thing, and that's not what you deal with. But is there a median age at which Americans um, start to claim their Social Security, and is that one of the things that needs to be changed the eligibility requirements in order for this thing to be fixed? Yeah, great question. So what's changed is we're now a year closer to Social Security running out of money. Um, And it's true, people, the normal retirement age is 67, but the average person retires at 63. So one thing we could do to improve not just the program, but the economy and people's livelihoods is encourage those who are able to, to, to work a little bit longer, to consider more flexible, you know, arrangements like phased retirement or encore careers. Uh, People that work longer tend to live longer. They have healthier, they have stronger social networks. They're richer because they're saving more, lower divorce rates because they're not home annoying their spouse. And it's good for economic growth. (laughs) If only I'd known that 12 years ago. Where were you then, uh, Mark, to help me about annoying the spouse and being divorced? Anyway, um, do you, would you do that by by law, by requ- by changing the uh, regulations, or could you do it through staggering the amount that you get? B- 
because I was talking anecdotally about a neighbor of mine earlier, and we don't have to go into all of that story, but there's a big difference between waiting until 67 or, uh, or rather not that much of a difference between 67 and 68 where it would actually have cost her money to do that. But if people are retiring at 63, they're foregoing, I guess I'm, I'm trying to crunch the numbers here. If they retire at 63, for their life, they're drawing down a, less money, a lot less money than they would if they waited until 67. But apparently people just don't choose to do that because they're afraid they're not going to live or what have you. Yeah, so the idea of the program is it's supposed to give you roughly the same time over your life regardless of when you retire. So if you retire at 62 or 63, you receive less per year but for more years. Um, but there's a huge benefit to receiving more for less years, which is that it's sort of a longevity insurance. You don't know how long you're going to live, and you don't want to be living to 100 with a 30% benefit cut. Um, so there's already stuff built into the system, but we could do more to improve it. The signals, the incentives are not good. The current program really doesn't doesn't pay to work after you've already worked about 35 years. It barely pays to work after you've worked 25 years. It doesn't give you good signals about when to retire. Um, it doesn't have great actuarial adjustments. And people aren't well-educated um, because the Social Security Administration isn't giving people that education on those choices. When they claim it at 63, are there uh, stats that show or studies that show whether it's they're, they're claiming their Social Security and retiring, or, or are they claiming it just to supplement their income? People tend to claim and retire at the same time. Not right. always. You don't have to. But especially before age 67, if you claim but keep working— there's sort of a clawback of part of your benefits. They hold it for later, so it's not actually a benefit reduction, but people see it that way. So there tends to be a pretty good match between claiming and retiring, at least up until um, the high 60s, and then it starts to disappear. This has you know, been a long time coming, and it gets closer every year because it's based on Social Security has always been a Rob Peter to pay Paul thing, has it not? Uh, that's, I mean, maybe not Rob Peter, but that's right. Current Tax workers Peter. pay for current, ret- yeah. Hmm. Current workers pay for current retirees. So when there was a lot of workers and not many retirees, things were great. Now there's a lot of retirees and not many workers, and so we are in trouble. And that's just a demographic fact. And uh, unless you change the system, nothing's going to change, right? Yeah, I mean, we can't. The demographics are pre-baked 60 years ago. You know, immigration could help a little bit, but immigrants also age. Uh, even if we all went home and had a bunch of kids, it's 18 years before they're any use, and Social Security is going to run out in nine or 10 years. So the demographics are already pre-baked. Mostly, what we need to do now is change the system itself. Right, let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. We'll come back and talk about those systemic changes. What can be done? You got to have the political will to do it. How's the public going to react? And does any is any elected official statesman enough to think of the next generation and not just a politician looking for the next election? We're talking to Mark Goldwine, Senior Vice President Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. I will ask you to respond to the Oakland Art Jeweler Talk and Text Line 504-260-1870. Um, are you worried about Social Security being there? For your kids, if, if you're already on it or claiming it, and you're not worried about you, but for your kids and, and for future generations. Traffic Now, WWL. 
baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Six twenty-five. Tommy Tucker, WWL. It's a Motown song. I don't know if y'all knew it or not. Barrett Strong and Money. Jordan Fiegel, bringing us back on WWL. I'm Tommy Tucker, talking to Mark Goldwine, Senior Vice President, Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget about Social Security. So you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, Mark, that another year brings us closer to the. I don't know. How would you phrase it? Uh, demise of, of Social Security, the, the imbalance of Social Security, the impracticality, the money not being there, and how do you fix it? So in 2033, Social Security will be insolvent. And what that means is it can only pay out benefits as much as it's what, bringing what was in. was that year again? In 2033, That's 10, 10 years. years from now, yeah. almost nine, nine almost or ten nine, years yeah. from now, right? So this isn't about your kids. This is actually about current retirees. And at the point of insolvency, all benefits get cut across the board by about 23%. For, for a new couple retiring in 2033, that's about $17,400 in cuts. It's just massive. So how do we fix it? How do we fix it? At this point, we probably have to do a little bit of everything. We're going to have to bring more tax revenue into the program. We can do that, for example, by taxing people higher up their income. Right now there's a cap. Um, we're going to have to slow the benefit growth. I think, again, we can do that by focusing on the higher earners that don't rely on the benefits as much. We ought to raise the retirement age. We need to fix the cost of living adjustment. Uh, at this point, you know, if we had done this back in the 90s or even in 2010, we could have picked one thing we really liked and phased it in really slowly. At this point, we're going to do a little bit of everything and phase it in kind of fast, you know, over a 10-year period. Of course, it all starts with, well, for, what would that look like? changing it what would it look like saving it because nothing's I mean, going to happen without pain whether you want to save money in your own personal life uh, whether you want to cut the benefits that you get whether you want to uh, pay more nothing's ever any fun so how do you do it <laughs> how do you do it politically yeah uh, well how, how do you do, do it practically make- practically and yeah. politically i guess because there's two considerations right well i mean i think we do it like we did it in 1983 which is uh we have a commission you know, some someplace that politicians can talk and negotiate, serious policymakers, without constantly being barraged by ads and wanting to get on TV, et cetera. They're going to come up with a plan that um, no one's going to like the individual pieces of. Democrats aren't going to like the higher age. Republicans aren't going to like the higher tax revenue. But when you put those together, extend Social Security's life for 75 years or more, and so they can walk in and say, look – your benefits are going to be 5%, 10% lower than we told you they're going to be. But that's still 15% higher than what happens if we do nothing and let this 23% across the board cut. Look, you're going to pay a little bit more taxes than what you were paying before. But in exchange, Social Security is going to be there not just for you, but for your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. That's the argument we got to make. That's the argument. Nothing happens in a vacuum. You know, as you just alluded to, if somebody attempts to change anything— 
um, it, it becomes a very negative campaign ad very quickly. So that's where the statesmanship comes up. And maybe you have everybody has to get together and bite the bullet. And maybe nobody gets reelected. But you put Social Security on a more firm footing. Or do you? Because does somebody else run on a campaign of repealing all of that? And then we're right back where we started. Yeah, it could be. But look, not a single person lost their election because they voted for the 1983 reforms. And those reforms raised the age, increased the tax revenue, taxed benefits. Uh, they, they, they're not something that you would consider popular, but not a single person lost their election. I think that, um, you know, I think that the public and especially the special interest groups aren't going to like the negotiation. But I think once they see a plan and see it actually saves Social Security, um, it's going to be at least somewhat popular. Because really, until now, they've just been kicking that can down the road, correct? If that. I mean, it's getting worse because now they're starting to lie. They're saying, well, we can just um, grow the economy to fix it. We can drill for oil to fix it. We don't even need to touch it. We can take it off the table. So it's worse than kicking the can. They're pretending that everything is just fine even as we're hurtling towards insolvency. Just stepping over it. There's no can. What are you talking about? Thank you, Mark. Exactly. I appreciate your time. Have a happy holiday season. Oh, thanks. You too. Mark Goldwine, Senior Vice President and Policy Director for the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Somebody better do something. We'll take a break. Come back. Mike Strain joins us, Commissioner Louisiana Department of Agriculture and Forestry. Talk about having a certified Louisiana Christmas. Right now it's time for WWL First News. For that, we go to Dave Cohen. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.